as we sing of His grace and glory, where the saints of God will be. That sounds like home to me. Boy, that sounds good to me. Amen. cannot lie about that. There's grief involved. Depending on the relationship, it can be as though someone ripped something from you. But I tell you what, I'm grateful to know that this is not all there is here. I'm grateful to know that we have a Father that has prepared a place for us that when we die, we can go be with Him. And those that are left here who are believers in Christ can look forward to the day that not only are they going to see the great God Almighty, the Father, but they'll be able to see the ones that they've lost to. Isn't that a wonderful promise and thing to think about? I tell you what, if we can't get happy about that, I know tears are shed, but I, I, I can also smile when I think about the folks that I've lost. I'm going to get to see one of these. 
I don't get to see my daddy one day. There won't be no strained relationship like I had on earth. It's going to be a perfect relationship. I get to see Estelle one day. Not based on what Estelle did, but because she knows who Jesus is. And I won't have any doubt in the world that she's there. The Bible says to be uh, absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. To say, well, Brother Darren, where's heaven? And, and how many angels fit on the tip of a pen? And all this kind of questions that we want to know about. Listen, I don't know exactly. The, I can't tell you the GPS of where heaven is. I, I can't tell you the coordinates. But I know that wherever God is, that's where she is this morning. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? I tell you what, at this time, for our children's church, if you are from age 3 to 6 and would like to be a part of that wonderful ministry we have here, I believe, uh, who we got today? Okay, Angel and... Some other person you said, Glenda? You? Okay, Rachel's going to help you, all right? Sounds like you've got a plan. All right. They look forward to that. I saw some of you adults try to get up and go too. No, I'm just kidding. All right. If you would, turn in your Bibles to John, uh, second chapter of John. I think I'll state this right. I kept trying to tell um, Brian that it was uh, 1 John, the second chapter, and he looked at me like I was uh, probably what I am, which is dumb. But um, anyway, I finally got it straight, and we, I think we're together on it today. Um, haven't been able to preach, uh, haven't preached in the last couple of Sundays. Uh, we uh, were gone one Sunday, and then the next Sunday I was kind of down. I led music best I could, but... Um, last Sunday, but I, I didn't feel good last Sunday, and you knew it. I feel great today, and, and I need it today. I need to be uplifted and encouraged today, because it's going to be a, a, a trying couple of days, I'm sure, uh, in ministering to the family, and I know for you too. We'll get you as more, uh, more details about uh, uh, the funeral and food and different things like that as we can, okay? If you have Facebook, watch out for that. If you uh, don't, then you can call me at any time or call somebody that we know, okay? And we'll, we will get you the, the details when we can. But today, I'm going to go back into, uh, have been in First John. I want to go into Second John today. And if you would go to Second John, we are going to endeavor to do something today. We're going to read a whole book of the Bible. But when you look at it, you'll say, oh, that's not too bad. But... Second John, I want us to read together, and then I'm going to come back and talk to you about a recurring theme that's been on my heart and been through the scriptures that I've read for the last several times that I've preached. And, and that is, and I really, you know, sometimes I get on something and I harp on it, it sounds like or seems like, folks, I'm not apologizing for that this morning. Don't come and say, don't apologize. I'm not apologizing. I'm just saying sometimes it works out that way. Now, so here's the deal. As we talk about false teachers today, I want you to be very aware uh, of things that we might mention. And I want you to be able to start, if you haven't already, to be able to identify the false teachers that may be out there, the well-known names. Now listen, not every well-known preacher's name is a false teacher. There's some good ones. How many of you watched Brother Lowry this morning? Anybody get to see him? 
And you know, I, I, I enjoy watching him when I get a chance. And there are well-known names that just because they're well-known don't mean you have to shun them. You don't shun somebody for their name. You shun them if they're teaching a false doctrine. If they're trying to mislead people, whether it is purposely or not purposely. I had, a, I had a conversation probably with Andrew the other day or somebody. Do you think that they are purposely misleading the people? Well, one side says yes and one side says no. But at the end of the day, the people are still being misled, whether it's purposeful or not. So you, whose job is it to make sure you're diligent and know the difference between good doctrine and bad doctrine. Certainly the responsibility falls on me, but just not on me, it's on you too. You need to be the governor, if you will, of what comes in your spiritual digestive system. You need to be the one that knows what you're getting and whether or not it can be found to be true or a lie. You can't just sit up here and blame it on me because I'm a filter. I'm going to filter as much as I can of the good stuff to you, and I'm going to speak what God, I, I believe, lays on my heart. But you need to understand that if I don't filter at all, the Holy Spirit within you is designed to filter the, the bad teachings and the bad doctrine and all that stuff so you don't get it. Because, folks, if you get some bad doctrine, it can set you back. It can hurt you badly. You think about, you know, especially in older cars, if you get a little bit of trash in your gas tank, guess what? Ain't going to run right. It's going to spit. going to sputter. The car will not function properly the way it does. I love these new cars. They tell you everything. I mean, my, my truck, it, it's, I'm still learning what it's telling me. I find a new button every day, time I get in there. And, 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 and it'll tell you, did you know that when the beeper, that, how many of you have a beeper or a buzzer or a bell or a whistle on your vehicle that when you're getting, you need to go get some gas, it does that? Now, some of you ain't going to mention it, but I run it down to E, so I know. All right, some of you raised your hand. Well, did you know that in my truck, if you push the right button, it will tell you exactly how many miles you got, before, what it really means. The buzzer don't mean it's about to go out. You still got some miles. And I found that out the other day. Up to that point, I'd just been tempting fate. But I found out, in the, once, you, once you, I mean, I was pushing the limits just to see. And, yeah, and, and I found out that it tells you it's 30-some-odd miles or something like that. I don't remember. That's pretty cool. So I can, I can get the rest of my money out of it, and then I go and spend my $300 to fill it up. But anyway, um, when you think about it, we need to be taking in good fuel, good teaching, because any little bit of trash can mess us up. That's what false doctrine is. It's trash. And we need to be able to call it what it is and understand it and realize what it is. And so if you'll stand with me today, I want to read from, from 2 John. I'll try to explain a few things to you uh, that are important. Some things are not as important. But I want to read this with you in, in my hearing this morning. It says, The elder, the elect lady, and her children whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth. Because the truth which abides in us 
and will be with us forever. Verse 3, grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we received commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Verse 6, This is love, that we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment that as you've heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we have worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Verse 9, Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. Verse 11, For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. Father, thank you today for your word, what it means, and I pray that by your Holy Spirit you will send this to the hearts of those that will hear. It will hit them right where they need to be hit. And they will know and understand what you would share with them this day. God, help us not be distracted from your word. I know that we're uh, in, in sorrow today for the death of our sister. But God, we know that we rejoice with her because she's with you today. And God, as we continue on the business of living and continue on the, the business of discipleship and learning about you, God, reveal to us today what we need to hear. I love you, and I know these people love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, 2 John is a short letter that tackles the subjects of false teachers and the, also the importance of staying true to the meat or the truth of God's Word. Okay? Do we believe that God's Word is the truth today? Amen. It's not a truth. It's not some truth. It's not my truth. It is the truth. There's only one truth, and that's the truth of the Scripture, which is from God Himself. Now, this is a letter that talks about the subjects uh, of that truth and how there are attacks on that truth and how there are people who are trying to mislead the sheep. You know, the Bible refers to us as sheep refers to the pastors and the elders as the shepherds. Well, really, they're the under-shepherds because Jesus is the good shepherd. When you look at me, I'm not the chief shepherd, okay? I'm a flunky shepherd. Now, I'm an under-shepherd, but I'm not the shepherd. But under God's leadership, I'm called to lead the flock He gives me, whether it's three sheep or 3,000 sheep, I'm to lead those sheep the right way to go. Somebody says, well, sometimes you meddle. I'm sorry. Somebody says, sometimes you're harsh. Again, I apologize. But my job is to lead the sheep. Now, if you don't want to be led, I'm not going to take you in a rope. 
but I'm going to do the very best I can to lead you the direction. In the end, guess who's going to make the decision whether or not to follow? It's going to be you. But I guarantee you, you're going to have all the information you need to know by the Lord's help through me to make the right decision. And if you fall in a ditch, I don't want the responsibility of knowing it was my fault. Not just because I don't want to be blamed, but because I love you. And so as we look at this, we see that there are a lot of false teachers. Just like in 1 John we've been looking at, it talked about the Antichrist and, and false, the spirit of the Antichrist and the false teachers that are out there. This one's going into it the same way. But before we get into that, I want to look at just a little bit that might throw us sometimes. We get a le- I mean, I almost feel like that I'm reading somebody's personal mail. Don't you? Because who's it written to? It says it's written to the elect lady and her children. Well, maybe I shouldn't be reading this. No, I should because this is designed as a church letter, okay? Now, there's a couple, couple ways you can look at this. Um, the elect lady and her children could be a specific person. There are a lot of people who believe that. There are a lot of scholars who think that there was a specific person. She knew who she was, and he wrote that letter to her and her kids. Perfectly good way to look at that. Many scholars, however, believe that the elect lady, and I tend to agree with this view, if, you're, if, if, you, if you care, I agree with this view, that the elect lady is referring to, in this case, a local church body. Also, could re- it, it comes out of the word in, in the Greek, the ecclesia, the ecclesia, the ecclesia. I'm not saying exactly right, but it, it's where we get the word church from, Okay? And, and more, not talking so much about the universal church, which all born-again believers are a part of, no matter what you call yourself as a denomination. But it's talking specifically about, I believe, a local congregation or local congregations because this was one of the circular letters, okay? So that's who, that's who it's designed to go for. It, either way you believe it, you can apply it to you, okay? Either way, you, you, even if you have a third view, you could still apply it to your life. And that's what we want to do today. Now, the Apostle John encourages in this letter the believers to continue walking in love. Now, now he says, uh, especially in verse 4, and I like what it says in 4. It says, I rejoice greatly. He's happy. He's very... It, w- when you are a parent and you see your kids doing something right, it makes you happy. It makes you excited, especially when you see them so many times do it wrong. And when they finally get it, it is a true memorable moment that they're doing the right things without being beat or told over and over again. They finally got it. We've had some moments like that in our household recently about where you put your stuff when you come home from school. And man, I want to jump and shout when they go right to where they used to put it. They think for just a half a second, and then they go on to where it belongs. Praise God, they got it right. You know what I'm talking about? And we, we, we have to be taught, we have to learn these, these things. 
And he's excited when he looks and sees that the, that, that the believers, the children of the le- lady, the church, the, the Christians who come together, are doing something right. Aren't you glad when you're told you're doing something right? Because everybody wants to tell me when I do wrong. I, I, I tell you what, I should never do any more wrong because i got enough people telling me when I do. They let me know. I, I get fewer, you got it right. Don't you? But he's excited because they're doing something right. They're living the way they should. They are, it says, found some of your children walking what? In truth, they weren't misled. They were walking according to Scripture. Hallelujah. As we received commandment from the Father. Okay, so he's excited. He's pumped. He's more pumped than you Dallas Cowboy fans who are looking forward to this evening. Hang in there. All right. Now, as we look at this, there are some things that are mentioned because what we're talking about is the truth of Scripture. The, the Scripture is what gives us the blueprint, uh, the, the way that we should live our lives, the way that we should conduct ourselves. It's about it's our being. The Bible is written for us to know God, not to know about God, not to know a set of instructions on what to do. The Bible was written and given to us as a revelation of who God is. The Word, also Jesus Christ, He's the revelation. The Word is the revelation to us. There is a book of revelation, but the whole thing is a revelation to us. He's revealed to us no other way. A teacher can help that. A preacher can help that. But if you're counting on a minister, a preacher, to give you the full revelation of God, in other words, if all you know about God and Jesus is what Brother Darren's told you or what Brother Doug Knight told you or what Brother David Lee told you or go on and on and on, if you're counting on just what those three men told you, you're going to be missing out on a whole lot of truth. Now, I appreciate you putting that kind of respect into me, but here's a word of caution. Don't. I am not the gospel. I'm a minister of the gospel. I am a speaker of the gospel. I'll share as much as I can and as much as God will allow me to share. But if you don't crack that book open, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord yourself, you are missing truth. And I'm not just talking about the latest Bible studies that come along. When Beth Moore has a new one, boy, I am in the Bible study. Or if James McDonald has a new one, I am in the Bible study. Are you in the Bible study when nobody's helping you other than the Holy Spirit? That's really all you need. I think one of these days we'll do a Bible study and we're going to say, okay, we're brand new. This is a trendy, this is on the edge Bible study. You ready? We're going to be taught. You ready? You're on the edge of your pew. We're going to be taught by the Holy Spirit. Now, wouldn't that be cool? I don't know how you capture them on videotape, but I'm telling you. That's what we desire, is to be taught by the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? Now, so what do we need to know about this truth? What do we need to know about Jesus? Because it tells me here that the problem is you go on down and read some of this. Let me go back and get this real quick. Um, 
the problem they were having was that these, these deceivers had gone out, and in and, and verse 7 it says, they'd gone out into the world who do not confess, listen, they don't confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. There was a school of thought, the Gnostics at that time, who believed that he actually did not come in bodily form, okay? Jesus was an idea. He, he was a concept. He was born a concept. He's flesh and blood. He came down to be a man. And there were people who were not believing that at that time. Now, can you imagine that people would actually not believe it way back then? Well, folks, there's people that don't believe it today. That Jesus did not come. That Jesus was part God. Or maybe Jesus became God at a particular moment. Maybe on the cross he was God. No, I want you to know that even before time, Jesus was God. In the beginning, John 1.1, in the beginning there was the Word. And the Word was with God. He, he's always been. Now, there's some things we need to know about this doctrine because it's telling us there are people who are coming to deceive you. They will tell you about other stuff. They will tell you about how to get rich quick. They will tell you how to have your best life right at this particular moment. They, they will tell you uh, that you don't need to worry about sin because sin's not a big deal. Church, don't you ever leave out of here thinking that church that sin is not a big deal. Sin in the life of a Christian pollutes the fellowship between you and your father, and you don't want that. Oh, sin's not a big deal. Jesus took care of sin. We, we sin all the time. Uh, he looks over it. He's, oh, that's my boy. You make it, you'll be okay. And it sends us along the way, put a Band-Aid on it. Listen, Jesus don't put Band-Aids on sin. Do you know what God does to sin? He exposes it. If you don't confess it, He exposes it. Not to embarrass you, but to make you better. And this, oh, you know, we all have to go, and then we go through this, and oh, nobody's perfect. And I agree with that statement. There's nobody perfect but the Lord. But what's wrong with trying to be a little bit more perfect? What's wrong that even though I am going to sin on a fairly regular basis, what's wrong with trying to knock those opportunities to sin down from 10 to 5? Or from 5 to nothing? I might not ever make it, but by God's grace, I, I want to try. Shouldn't we? Shouldn't that be the desire uh, in the heart of a believer? I believe it should. And so, as we talk about this deceiver and those that come in the Antichrist into the world, they're, they're, they're everything against Jesus. They'll bring just enough, excuse me, just enough truth into their message that they'll hook you. They'll say something about Jesus and you're hungry, you're listening. They put a little shine to it, a little flash. Some good singing. A guy with good hair. That winning personality and smile. I can still smile, but the hair's gone. And, and they will deceive you. And it doesn't matter if it's purposeful. 
or if it's not purposeful. Because at the end of the day, you'll still be lying in a ditch, deceived. And so we have to be careful when it comes to that. Well, this particular deception was about whether or not Jesus was who he said he was. Listen, one of the main doctrines of Christianity is to know Christ and who he is. If, you, if you're a Christian but you don't know Christ, you're not a Christian. You're just claiming it on application. And so there's certain things that we need to know about who Jesus is. And so uh, you can look at the screen and you, and you can listen to me today, but I put it up there so you would know. What do you need to know about Jesus? What is it that you need to know about Jesus? And we, every denomination has some things they, they may not see eye to eye on, and they're not key doctrines, and, and we can live with that. In the end, they'll find out Baptists are right, and it'll be okay. But the main things have to be agreed upon. It doesn't matter whether you're Baptist or what. Matter of fact, it don't matter if you're a Baptist. And there are main things about Jesus that you need to hear, know, and understand. Now here is the first one. You need to know that Jesus is God's son. There's no debate in that. Joseph was not his father. Amen? Earthly father, yes. Took good care of him, I'm sure. Certainly protected him in his younger years. He was there for him. God chose the right man to take care of his boy while he was here. I believe that. But he was not Jesus' real dad. You ever get in, hear kids on the playground or somewhere, and they, my dad's bigger than your dad. No, my dad's bigger than your dad. My dad has these kind of muscles. My dad has these kind of muscles. You, you hear them talk about their dads. Can you imagine if Jesus would have? My dad is bigger than your dad. And then we all bow down and then go home. He didn't do that, but he could have. Jesus was God's son. John 3.16 tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Praise God you told me that. That whoever believes in him should not perish. Not going to die if you believe in him, but have everlasting life. He is God's son. It's important to know that. I need to know that. Why? Because Jesus being God's son is going to have God's nature. God is sinless. Jesus is sinless. That's why he can be the sacrifice for me. I can't do that because I'm not sinless. But Jesus can. And when he becomes my sacrifice, my replacement, my step in, my fill in at the cross, and when he dies, it means something. If I die on the cross, it's just another dead man. But when Jesus dies on the cross, he'll come back again. And when he does, he brings salvation, healing in his wings. And because of that, you and I can be saved. It matters if he is God's son. Don't let anybody go try to take you away from the fact that, well, maybe he's just a good man. There are a lot of people who tell you that. Amen. Jesus was a good man. But he was more than that. I know a lot of good men, and y'all don't stack up. And some of them in this room, you don't stack up to Jesus because you're not God's son. 
And he was God's son. Uh, the, the second one thing that I really need you to understand uh, about who Jesus is and what we need to know about him is this. He came to earth as a man. Does it matter that we agree upon that as believers? Yes, it does. He came to earth to be a man. I need to know that. Uh, John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and what? Dwelt among us. Lived among us. Right here in the middle of us. And it, we beheld His glory. And the glory as, as the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. Sometimes when you hear the phrase, Yeah, I was slumming last night. I was on the wrong side of town. I, I was... Whatever they're saying, they're allowing you to know that they were a little bit better than where they were at. I want you to know that when Jesus came to the earth, he was really slumming. To come as God and to come to earth and take on the clothes, the robe and form of us, any of you, he came as us. And he's God. Why in the world would God do that? Because he loves you. He loves us. He loves his humanity that he created. He loves his creation. He came so he could live among us, prove that he could be without sin, and he could die on the cross, be that sacrificial lamb, so we could have a relationship with him. That's what he did. And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. I'm always drawn back to the story in the Bible uh, after the crucifixion and, and Jesus had some, some uh, instances where he came back to people and he was, they, they eyewitnessed him as resurrected. And the two guys that were on uh, the Emmaus Road and they were all down in the mouth and they were upset because, you know, this was the Messiah. This was going to be it. This was our salvation. And now, look at it. And on the way on that road, the stranger comes up and, and they're kept from realizing who it is. And they're talking with him and they're sharing. Are you the only person in Jerusalem that did not know what happened to Jesus? And the stranger says, tell me. They didn't even know it. He, the stranger goes on and he eats with the two disciples in their house and shares. They're having a great time and then at some point... The stranger reveals himself as Jesus Christ, and he's gone in a flash. And they say, didn't our hearts burn within us? Shouldn't we, shouldn't we have seen who that was? Oh, I'm so stupid. I missed it. Wouldn't that be something? I hope you don't miss Jesus. I hope you see him when you see him and know who he is and identify him. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father. In other words, they knew the difference. All the disciples and those that eventually followed Christ knew the difference. And not because He came in all this light and, a, and with a crown and an entourage, but because His whole being was righteous. And I want to tell you something. You know the difference, whether you live in it or not. You know the difference between righteous and unrighteous. And we try to blur the lines, but we need to quit it. We're living in a world that we need to be as black and as white, and I'm not talking racial. 
We need to be as black and as white as we can get. What's right needs to be shown as right, and what's wrong needs to be shown as what's wrong. I have been one of those people that in the past that I have embraced gray areas on certain things. And some things, there are gray areas. But when we find a pure black and a pure white on an issue, we need to figure out which side we're on. And we need to quit him on. We need to quit saying, well, it's not directly affecting me. Yes, it is. Are you a part of the church? Yes, you are. And guess what? It affects the church of God. And if it affects the church of God, it affects God and it affects you. And we've got to understand that in our being. Now, the next part of what we need to know about Jesus is this. And this is important. He was fully man and fully God. Get it? Understand it? Good. We'll go to the next one. No. I don't fully understand that. I don't fully understand it. Be honest. We don't. I got a, I got a bottle of water. I'm going to take nothing but water and fill it to the top. And then I'm going to take nothing but Kool-Aid and finish the rest of it. And I'm not going to spill a drop. I got two distinct liquids of the same amount. And I put them in one bottle. How can that be? It can't be with this. I have a mess everywhere. But Jesus came to be fully God and fully man and didn't give up any of either to do so. Now, the Scripture teaches us that He limits Himself in His Godhood. In other words, He didn't um, use all His power when he could have, when, when the guards come to get him for crucifixion, God could have leveled the whole place, but God was restrained. His, his uh, godliness, his godhood was limited. He gave himself. Nobody snatched Jesus in the garden. You need to understand that, to be crucified. He willingly allowed himself to do that. You think a few piddly guards, Roman guards, are going to take God Almighty? There ain't a Roman guard tough enough to do that. He was fully man and fully God. Hebrews 4.15 explains it this way. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points, what? Tempted as we are, and yet, guess what? Without sin. You're tempted the same way Jesus was tempted, and there are times when you fall, when you sin. Jesus was tempted, tested in the same way, and Jesus triumphed, he didn't sin. Remember when Satan was tempting uh, Jesus uh, for, in the wilderness for 40 days. And, he, and he's saying these things, if you'll just do this, if you'll just follow me, if you'll just jump off this building, if you'll just... Proclaim your allegiance to me. And all the things that Satan was trying to get Jesus to do. And, and every time, what did Jesus do? He quoted scripture back at the devil. And the devil had to shut up. For all you people who say, you know, the devil's just been attacking me today. He just won't leave me alone. He's got me beat down. If you'd open your word and quote some kind of scripture at him, he'd go away. 
But yet you must like the sound of his voice. Because the last thing you think about is pulling your Bible out. Well, I don't, re- I don't uh, remember scriptures like Brother so-and-so does. I wish I could quote them like that. I can't either. Open it up, read it word for word. It's powerful either way. If you can't quote, if you can't quote it, get it out. You don't think the devil got it in English? Learn Spanish. Make sure he gets it. I guarantee he will. Now, he was fully man and fully God. For we don't have this high priest. We don't have just somebody that just comes along and forgives us but don't really know what we've gone through and what we go through. Jesus came. That's why it's important to know he was a man. He came to be like you. So he could sympathize with you. You know the phrase that says, if you want to know something about somebody, walk a mile in their shoes. He walked that mile and many more to know what it is to be Tommy, for what it is to be Mike, what it is to be Darren. He, he walked a mile. He knows me better than I know myself. He knows where I'm tempted. He knows the things I'll fall for if I'm not led by the Spirit. He knows how the devil's going to trick me if I don't let Jesus guide me. He knows exactly what buttons to push. Because he was tempted. In what ways? Always. Do you mean that Jesus was tempted in, um, with greed? Sure he was. Was, was, was he tempted uh, to lust? I believe he was. The Bible says in all ways he was tempted. But praise God he didn't fall for it. Isn't that cool? Isn't that wonderful that Jesus is the example that we don't have to fall those ways. I brought this out the other day, the other night, and I'll bring this out again today, and then we're not going to have any debate on it, okay? But the, the question, because you have your opinion and I'll have my opinion, and, and in the end, we'll just be friends, okay? But the question was brought up, can, can a person, do you believe a person can live above sin for a whole day? Because a lot of us, when we pray, we say, Lord, forgive us of our sins because that we sin every day. And we as Baptists, we've kind of adopted that creed that, you know, we, we're going to sin every day. We just go ahead and accept it. Well, I know that Scripture tells me that when I sin, I have a what? An advocate with the Father. So if I sin during the day, guess what? All I have to do, I, I'm already forgiven because I'm safe. But I, I, if I confess my, my uh, sins to him, then I can be practically taken care of too. Not just positionally saved, but practically saved. Does that make sense? But the question was brought up, well, do you believe there's a Christian that can live a whole day and go a whole day without sinning? I don't know whether he can or not, but let me tell you this, church. He needs to be trying to. He needs to be trying to. Whether you believe he can or not, the thing I brought up was as soon as he makes it a whole day, he'll get prideful about it and brag about it, and whoops, there he goes. 
But if that person exists, and if you know that you can go for a day without it and not get prideful about it, not take out an ad in the newspaper and tell folks, isn't that what we're striving to do and to be? Listen, our life, whether we make it or not, we're supposed to be living, trying to live uh, as far away from sin as we possibly can. Whether we make it or not, I'm not having that discussion. But we're supposed to live as though we can. Listen, I believe through the Holy Spirit we can live. How long? There's no limits on it. I know that I have a gracious, kind, heavenly Father that when I do sin, He forgives me. Already forgiven me. So it doesn't matter how long you can go. The answer is, what's your desire? What do you want to do? I've shared that old phrase before. The only way to live above sin is move in over a honky-tonk. And I've heard that many times, and I've shared it many times. And I say it in jest, and we laugh about it, and it's okay to do that. But I think sometimes we just get so accustomed to saying, well, I mess up, I did it again. Listen, if we saw sin the way God sees sin, I think our tune would be a little different. I think the way we approach it would be a little different. Anyway, I'll, I'll go on. I can, I, that's been on my heart and mind so much lately, I could probably preach the rest of the day just on that point. But I want to keep on going. Um, not only was he fully man and fully God, the scripture I used for that was Hebrews 4.15. I'm going to use it for this next point too. He was sinless. And it goes right along with what we just said because he, he what was in all points tempted as we are, yet what? Without sin. Now, we've talked about the fact that Christ was sinless so far several times. And so I, if you understand that concept that he did not sin, please say amen. I think we know that. He was sinless. And then this fifth uh, uh, part about being Jesus and who he is uh, that we need to understand is this one. He died to pay the sin debt of mankind. What was the purpose of Jesus coming? You've been hearing the Bible all your life. you heard many, many preachers talk about salvation messages. Jesus died on the cross so you will not have to. Jesus, His will is not, not any of us should die. Any of us should perish. From the youngest to the oldest. He has made a plan that when we face death, as our sister did last night, one at 1.31, I believe it was. She didn't have to try to catch up on the deathbed and say, wait a minute, I'm not quite ready to go. She's already ready to go. She already would say. She had settled that at some point. She and I had had... Com- it, it, it's funny how God works. She and I had had a conversation about assurance and salvation not that long ago. And I'm thinking, why in the world are we talking about this stuff? Estelle, you way older than me. Now, in my mind, I was thinking that, but I didn't tell her that. She just smacked me. <laughs> now, listen, I'm talking in a way that I love her because I do love her. I'll tell you something else real funny. It won't cost you a thing. Um, she was in the hospital bed on Friday, and I had the opportunity to be in there by myself with her. And that didn't happen very much. It was a big family and limited times. And so I pulled out my badge and showed my clout. And went into the ICU and, and spent a little time with her by myself. 
And she had the mask on, and I'd have to listen to her two or three times to understand what she's saying. And, and, I, and I prayed with her, and I said, nah, and this is not a reflection on anybody in the room. I said, this was just for her. I wanted her to hear it. And I said, I just want you to know, of all the people in church, you're my favorite. But if you tell anybody, I'm going to tell them you lied. <laughs> and she smiled. I kissed her on top of her head. At that moment, she did feel like a favorite. You're all my favorites, but... When you think about it, she doesn't have to worry because she knows Jesus was the one who made a way for her to be saved because of what he did at Calvary. Did it for her. She, there's no doubt that she's a good woman in my mind. There's no doubt that she's done things in her life that probably wasn't so good. You think she ever got in any mischief? Don't tell me no stories now. You, you, you think that she, she ever did things that she regretted? But you know what? Jesus didn't ask her about that when he saw her. He put his arms out. Didn't have to ask her anything. It's already been settled. See, that's your life as a believer. And if you're not a believer in Christ this morning, I want you to know you do not have that. You don't have that. You don't have that assurance. You don't have that comfort. You don't have that hope. You know what? You can get it. But if you don't have Christ, you don't have that. Now, he was sinless. He died to pay the sin debt of mankind. Isaiah 53 says this, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. I love, I've always loved that last part of Scripture. Whatever denomination I happen to be attending at the time. I always loved that line of Scripture. That by his stripes we are healed. Listen, that's not just the faith healing. That's not just hanky waving. That's not just praying over somebody and pushing them until they get well. My sin disease, praise God, was taken care of at Calvary. And by the stripes that he bore, I was set free. I was saved. I was really healed. Listen, I, you know, with what this little light affliction that I'm going through right now, you know, I, I, we talk about, well, are you healed yet? Are you healed? Listen, I'm being healed. But even if I beat cancer and live 150 more years, I won't be ultimately healed until I make it to heaven. And then I'm going to stand up and say, I've really been healed. Listen. Cancer could drop dead in me tomorrow. And I'll never see it again. And I'm still going to get sick. I'm still going one day, unless God comes back, I'm still going to have to get sick enough to die. It's inevitable. Oh, well, thanks for the encouragement, Pastor. Listen, these people that say, oh, you're, not, you're never supposed to get sick. You're supposed to live a life that you're always well. I, that sounds great. It makes a good movie. But it's not true. Real people get sick. 
Can God heal? Does He heal? Yes, He does. Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes He uses it as a way to get you to heaven. Let me ask you this. Do you believe that Estelle had enough faith that he could have healed her from whatever was messing with her? I, I know her well enough. She had enough faith. So guess what? It wasn't her fault. It was her time. God says, come home. She did what any of us obedient children should do. Come home. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, my uh, uh, Gabriel, my 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 ten thirty's about here. My one thirty, yeah, absolutely. Get ready. You gonna know her when she comes. Amen. I tell you, I got a mansion ready. So come right in. The song says. See, you've got an appointment time too, don't you? You may not have got the memo when it is yet. But you've got the appointed time for you too. Listen. Let's go on. Uh, not only did he die uh, to pay sin, pay for sin, you know, he went through the, trans, uh, the, the bruising and, 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 and the, the beating. But here's the next one. He rose again, aren't you glad? Victorious against death, hell, and the grave. 1 Corinthians 15 54 says, so when this corruptible ha has put on incorruption and when the mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. There's a Southern Gospel song that's simply titled, Death Ain't No Big Deal. Death Ain't No Big Deal. One day I'll lay down, close my eyes, and then I'll be looking from the other side. That intrigues me, that part of death. Just I know we're talking about it a lot today, but it's real. We need to be big folks and talk about it. Think about this for a second. You're going along, you're living your life. And then whatever happens to you, kills you. You take a breath, in this life, maybe it's an inhale, and in that split second of whatever takes you out, you exhale as a believer, you exhale with the Lord in heaven. Is that not cool or what? Talk about blow your socks off. Is that not amazing? But church, something very scary, that if you don't know Christ, the same thing happens in reverse. And you exhale here at what you sometimes think is hell, and you exhale in the real hell. It's just like that. It's just like that. Many of you heard the news about Estelle, and you were shocked. You knew she might not have been feeling real good. You knew maybe she kind of looked like she was hurting and ailing. But you didn't expect to come to church on Sunday morning and find out that she's gone. It happens that fast. Are you ready? 
Are you ready? Listen, leads us into this last part. Jesus is coming back. Coming back soon. Someone asked me not too long ago, and I've been asked before, do you truly believe that the, the coming return of Christ is, is at hand? Is it close? Do you believe that really? And I believe that really. I can't tell you when. I can't tell you exactly when. It could be when I'm standing up here. It could be when I'm asleep at night. It could be a week from now. It could be a year from now. But I know that one day Jesus will return. He is coming back. And I go back to the same question I've asked several times during this message. Are you ready? Are you ready? I didn't ask you if you're a church member. I didn't ask you if you're a good person. I didn't ask you if your wife loves you. I didn't ask you if your husband loves you. I didn't ask you if your kids care about you. Are you really saved? Are you ready? Are you ready? Some things you spend your life and you're not ready for. But this is one thing can't be that way. You've got to be ready. He's coming back soon. John 14, 1 through 3 says, Let not your heart be troubled. I love it when the Bible just smacks you in the face. Don't be troubled. Don't worry. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Everything's so simple to Jesus. I love that. Second verse. In my Father's house are many mansions. Somebody mentioned it. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I've always loved that verse. Listen, son, it's truth. If you don't believe, if, I wouldn't have told you if it was a lie, like God could lie. And, and, and I go to prepare a place for you. Verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, huh, I'm going to come back again. I will come again and, and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And again I say to you, you ready to get that bus up and go? Look, God ain't going to lead you no place you don't want to be. And people talk about it all the time. Well, how's heaven going to be like? Am I going to do this? I don't know that. Well, I'll be playing a harp. Well, I'll be floating around uh, clouds. Listen, you're not going to be an angel. You ain't an angel here, so I don't know why you think you're going to be one there. God didn't, God's not going to take you home so you can be an angel. He's going to take you home to be something even better than an angel. You're going to be a, the redeemed. You're going to be someone, you're going to be a resident of heaven. Where do you reside? Oh, Texarkana, where do you reside? I live in heaven. What county is that? I have no idea. But you don't need to worry about it. Listen. What do we do when the false teachers come? What do we do and how do we identify them? And what do we, we do when they come? Verse 9 tells us what it says. If we receive the witness of men, uh, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. We identify them. They're going to show themselves out, I promise. You're going to realize the false teachers. What else? How, what else do we need to know about them? We need to be able to identify the teachers of truth. Somebody's telling you the truth, you need to know that it's true. Same thing, you look in that same verse. 
And then the last one, in verse 10, look at what it says. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness to himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he, is, he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. Listen, we, we're not supposed to. Am I reading the right thing there? I think so. We are not supposed to accept anybody that comes to us. I, I read the wrong thing, folks. Let me go back. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Look at verse 9. Whosoever transgresses does not abide in the doctrine of Christ, does not have God. You got that? Say amen. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. That's the scripture I was looking for. Make sense now? I got off in left field for a second. Now, verse 9. We identify them. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine, bam! They show themselves. You have identified them. But you also want to identify the good ones. Those who, uh, as the Scripture says, abide in the doctrine of Christ and both the Father and the Son. And then, what do you do about false teachers? Look at verse 10. If anyone comes to you and then does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. I'm going to tell you what, if there is a false teacher that comes through the airwaves, y'all come on and get ready to do the, the invitation. But as, as they comes through the airwaves and, and through the radio waves and television, when, when these guys come through, it's your responsibility that if they're teaching doctrine and your kids and the people in your house are hearing this, it's your responsibility to pull the plug, get the remote, turn the switch off, b beat the TV till it don't play no more. But you... It's your job that if you recognize false, false doctrine, not to let it in your house. Scripture just told you that. There's people you wouldn't let in your house that are teaching false doctrine. Why you let the garbage come through the TV? Oh, but I get a little bit of good out of this guy. He smiles just pretty. Oh, man, I want to get on that so bad. Somebody that smiles pretty and tells you that everything about your life is rosy is a deceiver. He's a liar. Won't stand up and confront sin and would rather tell you how to get rich quick in 30 days. That ain't going to happen. I'd rather tell you if you're going to hell and how you can fix that. If you don't get it from the pulpit, where are you going to get it from? Bow your heads as you stand, please. Father, what a day. I'm glad you let me feel good today to breach this. Makes up sometimes for the days that I may not. But God, I know that you're good, real, and on time every time. Whether I feel good or not, doesn't matter. Speak to our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen.